0: You're listening to the Pure Desire Podcast, your safe place to find hope, healing, and freedom from sexual addiction, betrayal, and relationship issues. What is up? I'm your host, Trevor Windsor, and you're listening to episode 254 of the Pure Desire Podcast. You're joining me as always, my co-host, Nick Stumbo. Officer Johnny! (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right. Full disclosure, you've been saying that at least for the last two or three days, every time you walk by our... One of our newest employees, Mr. John Bagaman. I still have no idea what that's from.
1: You have not seen the movie Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds?
0: Uh yes, but I. It, okay, it's I think actually that that really movie good. Has made a much bigger impact on you than it has yeah, to me.
1: Yeah, I really I've seen it a couple of times with my boys, and then like on a couple of our trips, like when I'm looking for a movie just to kind of zone out on, it, I've watched that. So yeah. Yes, it's Ryan Reynolds' character saying that to the police officer, Johnny, and we just happen to have a John in our office, so it's convenient that way.
0: I'm interested to see how you connect this to today's episode. We had uh, Robert and Rebecca Vandermeer, two of our clinicians, um, and then Robert's also on our speaking team. Um, We had them on to talk about fear of sex during recovery and healing.
1: Yeah. It's actually one of my spiritual gifts, Trevor, to connect illustrations to I topics. I don't
0: disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree. I, uh, yep.
1: You know, in the movie Free Guy, there are the sunglasses people and ah, they're the heroes and they get to do whatever they want right. and life works and they get all the money. And then there's, you know, Ryan Reynolds character is actually a non-NPC, non-playable character yes. who's just supposed to be in the background. And, and I think about in this area, like when we're in recovery and maybe- because of woundedness with our spouse, there's not sex happening or when it's happening, it's not good. Or we just feel like there's something broken in our relationship. Mm -hmm. Is it ever gonna get better? I think it can feel like that NPC who's looking around like all these other people you know, in this this world around me, they seem to get to do what they want. Their marriages look great. And I mean, honestly, we don't know the truth of what's happening in Uh any given marriage, but it can feel like everyone else is getting to live this life and I'm stuck in fear or my spouse is stuck in fear and what do we do? And um, we just recognize that can be a discouraging place. And Mm -hmm. so I think this conversation today was so helpful to acknowledge there can be fear on either side. The struggler can fear, am I just gonna enter back into my same patterns? Is this gonna reignite fantasy and lust? What images are gonna come into my mind? Um, Or on the betrayed spouse side Mm -hmm. of, is he really thinking, is she really thinking about me? Am I the one they want? I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. And I think to have an honest, open conversation to address those fears can really help a lot of couples move towards a better, healthier place and to realize they're not alone in some cocooned world where everybody else is having this great experience and they're not.
0: Yeah. And what I love about Bob and Rebecca is that they've lived this story, but then also they help people every single day through this process. So their perspective is um, they're just, they're very, very qualified in this area. So we do have a really good episode for you. A few things before we get there. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, if you're not subscribed, just do it. It's free. You can find us on all the major platforms. And if you give us a review, it helps other people see the podcast. And it means a lot to us. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pure Desire PDMI. And if you'd like to consume video content, the full episode is going to be up on YouTube. Just search Pure Desire Ministries. And then, Nick, we want people to know that our group leader training course is now out. It's in. It's like on our website. You can order it and... We want everyone who wants to lead a group to go through this course.
1: Yeah, we're very excited about it. And as we emphasize in the course really well, you don't have to be an expert to lead groups. Mm -hmm. But what that means is a lot of people leading groups are willing because of their story, because they've experienced some healing and they're like, I I think God wants to use me to help other people. But that idea of actually leading a group or having the Mm -hmm. title of leader can be very intimidating. And so we want to just really demystify that process. We want to help People realize you can be a regular average person and do well at facilitating the healing journey of other people. Because at the end of the day, it's not your expertise in leading a group that makes it work. It's your willingness. And so Mm -hmm. if we can give you enough um, expertise, if you will, or just enough foundation of how to lead group well, Mm -hmm. it can be a very, very successful endeavor. So uh, we hope everyone gets a chance to watch it and that whether you're a seasoned veteran of doing groups or this is your first time to think about helping lead a group, that you'll really be trained and equipped to have a a fantastic group experience.
0: Absolutely. So this course is eight sessions long, has six to seven modules per session. And what's great is once you're done, it acts as a library of training that you can always come back to. So Lifetime access. That's right. If you are interested in the group leader training course, you can pre-order it now. Just go to puredesire.org slash GLT. All right. Here is our time with Bob and Rebecca Vandermeer on fear of sex during recovery. Bob and Rebecca Vandermeer, we're glad to have you back in studio. It has been a long time since we've had really both of you on the podcast, yeah. especially in studio. So we you This glad studio is legit. Thank yeah. you. This is yeah. nice. Thank you Luke yeah. Meyer. Shout out Luke Meyer. Yeah. Thank you, sir. You've done an excellent job. Crushing it. Uh We're excited. Like, genuinely, it's cool to see you guys. It's been a long time. COVID, obviously, that has thrown some, you know, obviously some wrenches in the engine, so to speak. Um, Whatever. I'm not a car guy. Anyways, we wanted to have you guys on because of your positions here being clinicians, and you work with couples every single day that are working through recovery and betrayal. And we had a listener who sent in a recommendation for What do I do if I'm afraid to re-engage sexually with my spouse or if Mm -hmm. my spouse is fearful of re-engaging sexually um, during the recovery process? And we figure this is a great episode to have you guys on. We also um, did an episode with you guys, which is one of my favorites, the sex during recovery Mm -hmm. episode. Mm -hmm. So I felt like this is like just another iteration of the same conversation. Right. Um, So let's just jump in for men and women recovering and healing from the impact of sexual brokenness they may have fear around this. The first question is, is it normal? And if so, um, can you guys talk through the fear that they are gonna feel? And I mean, just talk about that. What are the fears that someone yeah. brings in, yeah. in recovery and healing? Yeah, I mean, the first question, is it normal?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the topic of sex already, at I mean, at this point for the, any couple mm-hmm. already has shame attached to it, right? It's already, uh, been, um, problematic for them. I mean, there's, there's a variety of stuff all mixed up in it. Right. And so, so yeah, I mean, I think it just talking about it is going to be challenging. It's going to include yeah. some fear.
3: Yeah. And with that being said, then some of those fears that a lot of people, it's just very common, common for most people is whether it's, there's a fear of being used, mm. um, mostly on the on the spouse side of things you know if, if she's being used if the addict is a man of course um yeah if the if yeah if if this person is being used for sex um but then there's all also shame that may come up afterwards mm-hmm. for both whether the, whether it's for the addict yeah. or the spouse um there's also that fear of maybe not having enough sex that comes up yeah. very much um for everybody i feel yeah. like even um yeah and um Also, maybe even the fear of trying to keep the addict from acting out, Mm -hmm. and just having that fear of I have to or I won't, out of that fear of the possibilities. That feels
0: like one where there's because I think that that was some of where the question came from from this listener too. Was like I've been working really hard on my recovery, and will reengaging sexually with my spouse reignite my addiction? Like, will it just like everything just goes right back to what it was Mm -hmm. before? And there's that trepidation in trying to engage with your spouse. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because it's even it's like, well, man, this stuff that that I was so familiar with in my addiction, whether it was with like you know an affair partner or in pornography, like, can I do this? Mm-hmm. Like now in a healthy sense, where at afterwards I don't feel shame over it. Like, mm-hmm. is this dirty, right? Because I mean, is right. is this position okay? Is that position not okay? Right. I mean, just yeah. all of these questions that right. that are there that are connected to past. Um, challenges at the very least.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, if you think about it, it's such a personal, intimate area of our relationship. And when there's been wounding there, there's a lack of trust there. I mean, we talk about it on so many of these episodes, it's really traumatic. And I mean, particularly for the betrayed spouse, the one that's wounded in that way. But I think in what you guys have been discussing, there is even some trauma if addicted or struggling spouse is really getting honest about their behaviors. Mm-hmm. They're probably encountering some of their own pain of the way I've hurt people mm-hmm. or the choices I've made, how it's damaging relationships. And so when you think about sex, it's like for both partners, it might be, we're going back to a place that was trump- traumatic yeah, or that totally. has caused a lot of pain yeah. and mm-hmm. what will happen. And, you know, you think of if a person was in some kind of serious uh, event on a plane that uh, that crashed or had a significant engine failure. And there was, that was trauma. Like sure. mm-hmm. you would expect the next flight. If you take one again, uh, some of those feelings might come back. You'd be like, oh, we'll just get over it. You know, cause airplanes never crash. Like, right. yeah. well, yeah, but the one I was yeah. on did exactly. and it was mm-hmm. scary yeah. and I don't want to totally. go through that again. And so the I think if there. we can just mm-hmm. normalize that in a way that people can talk about it and that's the purpose of groups yeah. and counseling yeah. and having those kind of relationships to say, what do we do about this? Because I think if you don't talk about it, it's more likely that that fear is just gonna stay there and become part of,
2: um, part of the way you're relating to each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think one of our questions later, um, uh, there's some good stuff that I'm looking forward to unpacking with that too. <laughs> uh, but like on, on, on the addict side also, I think there's the fear of like, well, once we re-engage in this, is like, is it gonna be as frequently as I want? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. because now there's all this negative stuff and, and they've mm-hmm. compartmentalized their addiction from sex with their spouse oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And so like there's like, well, yeah, that's like that's cool. Like we I've been working on this stuff over here. Yeah. But I hope that this doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Like I hope that this is still yeah. just as much as I you know, need. Right. Yeah. We use that word need, totally. which, you know, we we'll get rid of that word, but it's
1: Or, not or we even have people who struggle and, and the mindset can be well, if I get healthier, we'll have sex more because yeah. now I'm right. better. So they should yeah. want it more. Right. And yeah. we just ignore a whole lot of other things that get in the way and, and can yeah. cause some mm-hmm. some trouble there. So Let's keep diving into it. Uh, The next question we wanted to ask is just related to maybe that perception for couples going into it. uh, And it's this, can we really heal and have a healthy sex life? And as you were saying, Bob, that can be compartmentalized where we feel like, yeah, I I know we can heal and emotionally we can work through things and I can work on my issues with pornography, but will our sex life ever be healthy? I think some mm-hmm. people wonder, will there just always be a shadow over that yeah. part of my life now? Yeah.
3: yeah. That's part of the the recovery process that it's, it's a never ending uh, growth and learning yeah. uh, journey. Um, with that being said, then yes, I we truly um, uh, believe and have seen change and um, healing in that area. Mm-hmm. However, it is work, like any change that mm-hmm. you wanna, make and maintain mm-hmm. um, it is work. And so sex will need to be something new for mm-hmm. the couple. And that so many times just has to start with your own personal self-awareness, healing and growth, as well as that intimacy that it's based on the emotional connection mm-hmm. between the couple.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love what you said about it has to be something new mm-hmm. because if, if, if we think that like the healing and change is if we think that the healing and the change is going to be like, oh yeah, we're going to pick up where we left off. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I mean that, that old timeline, Mm -hmm. that old way, that old way of approaching things, like maybe even the old routines that they had, you know, maybe the old routine was like, like we do this, we have a glass of wine. Like we start out initiating. Yeah. The initiating, like the foreplay, like the, like what the ritual was, Mm -hmm. like even that. Okay. Well, did we ever talk about that? Mm -hmm. Like was part of that, actually part of the addictive behavior and ritual Mm -hmm. and is this did this like spouse feel engaged and loved and cared for and so I think in this whole idea of it of the healing process is also to say all right we might just need to set all of like all of that aside Mm -hmm. and reinvent what this looks like for us.
1: Yeah. I think we've said it on probably more than half the podcasts we've done that we're not here to stop a behavior. Mm -hmm. We're here to change the way you do life. And Mm -hmm. if I'm looking to do life differently, Mm -hmm. then the intimacy I share with my spouse on a physical sexual level will be different.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Different doesn't mean good or bad, but it does mean different. Mm -hmm. And for some couples... I know it means they will have sex more frequently Mm -hmm. because they rediscover some passion. They rediscover healthy reasons to be physically intimate. And other couples, it means it's less frequent because they realized what was driving it was more a false sense of Mm -hmm. libido or manliness or things that just weren't even necessary. Mm -hmm. And as they let go of that, they realize I I don't have this need quote unquote Mm -hmm. that I thought I had. And so I think if we're open to that, like it will be different then the answer is yes, it can be healthy. Mm -hmm. It it may not look Mm -hmm. the same and it probably should not look the same because that would indicate we're not doing life differently. We're just trying to stop a bad behavior, so.
0: And we're trying to, in this, we're trying to create more safety and security Mm -hmm. in that relationship. And so as recovery and healing is happening and that connection and that Mm -hmm. safety that you feel, because obviously trust and safety are broken at discovery, right, Mm -hmm. like that's just, it's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that process of that being recovered, that's a part of this too. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to laugh real quick just because your daughter is in studio eating carrots <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: with headphones on.
0: <laughs> with headphones on, It's so great. Um, so you should watch this on YouTube uh, uh-huh. if you're listening. Um, but I just think that that's so important to mm-hmm. consider that. Yes, the frequency may be different. Even the intensity may be different, but the hope is that as you re-engage, it becomes safe, something that's safer. Yeah. And because of that, I think over time will be more enjoyable for both spouses. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And what a beautiful, uh, goal to have yeah. is to get to a place in life with your spouse where sex is one of the best things in your relationship because yeah. you've actually put the work, for, work forth and you've grown and um, mm-hmm. you're at a better place than you were before. So.
0: Yeah. So let's say a couple is here and they have some fear concern going into reengaging. They feel like they're at a place where this is on the table now. This is mm-hmm. a conversation. What are some suggestions or tips that you guys would have for couples in that space.
2: Yeah. I think one one is to take your time Mm re-engaging. Like like there there doesn't need to be a rush. Yeah. Right. Take your time. Uh, At this point in the process, you're probably having conversations you've never had before anyways. Mm -hmm. Right. And so uh, let's have conversations about- par with that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Let's keep having those- For sure. Those rigorously honest, vulnerable conversations where you're talking about the things of your ritual, you know, the, the things of your patterns, like the things of- uh, I don't know, um, like, how's the bedroom? Like, what's the light? You know, what I mean, like, talk about all that. Yeah. But there's no rush. Yeah. Like, don't feel pressured to rush to jump back into bed because mm-hmm. that, like, that didn't that didn't solve anything before, and it's not right. going to solve anything now. Sure. Right? Yeah. It can be part of something, yeah. but just like, take yeah. your time.
3: Which then to be able to take time, we go back to kind of what I mentioned a, f- a few minutes ago is that focus on the pursuit of emotional health first. Um, which then, if you are doing that as a couple, then it'll be easier to have those conversations mm-hmm. so that when you re-engage, you're able to feel safe, to be yeah. seen, to be heard, and to even know what your preferences are yeah. and dislikes. And And so it's, it's very important to focus on that emotional health mm. first.
1: Yeah, we've talked a lot about how our sexual connection is meant to be an overflow mm. of the intimacy we're sharing as a couple. And so that's what I think of in recovery. If, if we're at a level where that intimacy is really growing and developing and, and we feel like sexual connection is kind of the logical outflowing of where we're mm-hmm. headed, mm-hmm. Yeah. then great. And mm-hmm. if, if you're not there, I think it's not trying to run ahead of where your intimacy mm-hmm. is at yeah. as a couple and not yeah. trying to force it or m- just make that feeling of connection come through mm-hmm. sex if it's yeah. not happening in other places. And, and again, I, I really think in this area for every couple, it looks a little different. Mm-hmm. There's not yeah. like, you know, it'll take this amount of time and yeah. then you'll do this just depending on the level of wounding, the level that it's been happening, you know, how long into marriage they are. Is it Mm -hmm. the first marriage? There's so many questions I think that would determine the differences there, but just kind of letting it be whatever it is for your timeline. And the other thing I was thinking about when you asked the question is just making sure as a couple, you're able to talk about it, Mm -hmm. to acknowledge it with each other. And if if need be, even being the one who's willing to ask the partner, like, do you have fears about Mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. Let's let's talk about it so that, and my goal, if I'm the one, the spouse asking that, it's so that I can truly listen right, yeah. and hear and validate. Like mm-hmm. I can understand why you would feel that way. And whether I'm the betrayed spouse or the, the struggling one mm-hmm. to just recognize my partner may have concerns. And as they share them, I listen, I welcome them. And I, I try to understand, and then maybe ask yeah. questions of what could we do together that might help address some of those fears or alleviate them. And I, I think the more we've talked about it, then we feel like, oh, I'm I'm heard, I'm seen, I'm understood. And I might feel yeah. like
0: we can keep moving then towards those fears rather yeah. than avoiding them. You know, something to just an extension of that. And I know that people know this already. We've talked about this before, but comparison in recovery is really mm. hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. Like where you're at in recovery and comparing myself to that, like maybe we're in the same group or mm-hmm. something. I feel like that's always harmful. Mm-hmm. And same thing with this topic. Like maybe you've got, someone in group who that, like them and their spouse are now engaging sexually and you and your spouse are not, mm-hmm. it's not a comparison game to your point that your journeys and mm-hmm. your stories are so different as to what has happened. Mm-hmm. And so just to take that into consideration, that comparison, I, the way I've always thought of it is that whenever comparison is made, someone loses and sure. you just don't want to create that dynamic. Right. Sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, I mean, with this question, because was it uh, some suggestions, right. That, that they, they have a concern about re-engaging don't think about fear as roadblocks to re-engaging sexually. Mm. Like think about these fears as really keys to mm. unlocking emotional intimacy, right? Cause the fears are there because of past stuff. Mm-hmm. And so if the fear is a roadblock, then we're going to be afraid to talk about it. We're going to try to avoid them. We're going to yeah. think of them as obstacles mm-hmm. as opposed to like Nick, what you said, if, if we ask like, Hey, what is your fear? Why is that fear there? Then all of a sudden, as we begin unpacking why these fears are there, Like we talk about our past, we talk about our trauma, we talk about our own relationship, Mm -hmm. which like provides opportunity, uh, for emotional intimacy. Right. And so now that, that emotional intimacy now becomes like a key to Mm -hmm. better connection, whether it's emotionally or sexually.
0: Totally. Yeah.
3: And even having a a perspective of coming to those conversations with a good sense of curiosity, Mm. like wanting to understand, to know Mm
2: -hmm.
3: your partner, um, whatever that may be in terms of whether it's fears or likes, dislikes, all of these, just having that approach can be so helpful because we're removing all those other assumptions, all mm-hmm. those other unknowns, but more so have this period of, I'm curious, I really legitimately yeah. want to get to know you yeah. better mm-hmm. so that we can connect mm-hmm. um, better.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we, we talked about this in the episode on sex during recovery, but I think it's good to bring up again in this context of people who are experiencing fear about sex and, and how to work through that. What would you say in terms of discussing and implementing abstinence during the recovery process? And how would that relate to this topic of fear of sex?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we, uh, we recommend it almost always. Uh, and so, like, but that's in a clinical setting. And so I think if, if you were... if you're in you r-
0: have someone who's guiding you through that process? Is correct. That I mean? Yeah, yeah. That? Correct. So when yeah.
2: I say we, I mean, Rebecca and I, yeah. like, with clients, yeah. right? yeah. Um, and so, but I mean, we would say engage in it with support. So if you're going to participate in an abstinence yeah. period, make sure you have support. Mm-hmm. So okay. like from a counselor, uh, or, and, or that both of you are in a group. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you've got support, right? You've already, st- and also don't do it at the very beginning of recovery right. because like your world is spinning out of control. And what we don't want is we don't want you to try to have an abstinence period and then just like crash and burn where mm-hmm. the addict is now making advances at his wife and she's feeling used and mm. then she feels like she has to give in, you know, but then he can't stop. So then they end up having sex and then, yeah. right. Cause, and we'll get to that in a minute, but basically like if you, if you do it too early and you don't have support, yeah. Um, then it can end up being kind of worse off. I mean, it ends yeah. up being kind of a traumatic thing. So.
3: Yeah. And you, at the beginning of, of the process, you're, you're, learning so much about your new reality that it's important that you are, um, educated in a sense, right? That you understand that you have a better understanding of what it is that you're walking through in the moment. Um, but that being said, then once you're, you're a little bit further in your process, having a plan in place is, is huge in terms of what should we focus on during this time? Mm -hmm. Um, what should uh, we do with our nights, with our time together? Yeah. Um, because then again, you're not trying to just figure it out in the moment yeah. or on the spot or yeah. having all these um, uncertainties, but having an agreement where you're both again, not, right, communicating, having that emotional health connection, where it's like, okay, let's talk about this. Yeah. What are some things that yeah. would mean a lot to you physically without it being sexual yeah. and,
2: and, and... And I guess one quick thought in this too, is to differentiate between a therapeutic abstinence period and you just found out through discovery or disclosure and you want this person as far away from you physically as yeah. possible mm-hmm. right yeah like differentiate between those two yeah. like so it may be appropriate for you that when you that when there's discovery or when there's disclosure mm-hmm. that like to to create some space mm-hmm. yeah where where sex isn't happening and and that like that's about safety that's yeah. about and, and I think what we're talking about more so now is like a therapeutic abstinence period.
0: Both parties agreeing mm-hmm. upon this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're
2: yeah. doing it not not just for the safety, I need you away from me, but right. you're doing it so that you can get to a place where you can re-engage yeah. sexually again with health. Well,
0: and I feel like in our last conversation about this, that there's like a reset period, mm-hmm. where you're allowing yourself to kind of hit a baseline mm-hmm. again, yeah. and then reinvent, as we've already talked about, reinvent mm-hmm. what normal is. Yeah. And what I love about this is the idea of putting a plan in place mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that it's something that you're creating also the expectations for both parties, yeah. that if there's an agreed upon time, mm-hmm. and this is what the process will mm-hmm. look like, yeah. then, you know, the let's say the struggling spouse, if they want to re-engage, if there's not expectations, they might re-engage, that might end up being mm-hmm. like damaging to their relationship if mm-hmm. there's, you know, tension yeah. there but if it's like, we know that we're going to do it for six months. And then when we come back and reevaluate and that the timeline is going to be between you and your support. But once you come back, then you have those expectations. Mm -hmm. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that will help both spouses, both the betrayed spouse in preparing for that conversation. And then also the struggling spouse Mm -hmm. as they're thinking through, this has a time period in Mm -hmm. place. I don't have to just like not ever try to make advances on my spouse again for the rest mm-hmm. of our marriage, yeah. but have that right expectation going into it.
2: Yeah. We, we typically uh, also recommend it like in a, they in a clinical setting, like that it would be after a formal disclosure
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, because we wouldn't want them to engage in this abstinence period where they're working on emotional intimacy, building trust, building connection, mm-hmm. and then you throw a disclosure in there and some bombs get dropped.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. So
2: we, we would recommend this after a disclosure so that whatever, connection they're working on, whatever trust Mm -hmm. might be being built, whatever risk is being taken emotionally, doesn't get totally undermined
0: by this disclosure bomb. You throw the disclosure grenade. Yeah. Yeah. Everything gets, yeah.
1: Well, and that's what I wanted to reemphasize what you said there, Bob, really in this whole episode, we're kind of assuming two individuals that are both working towards their health, Mm -hmm. that, that are having a level of traction, and there's not issues within the marriage of, um, extramarital affairs or maybe abusive, painful things being done to the other person where they're not safe in the home mm-hmm. or safe in the bedroom. Right. Because I I think that just needs to be stated because there is some undercultures in, I mean, let's say it within particularly Christianity that can communicate, especially to the woman, like, well, you just need to grin and bear it. You just mm-hmm. need to be available. You need to help meet his needs. And as we've discussed on many podcasts lately, like that's that's not healthy, right, yeah. or good. And yeah, so if you're in true. that situation where it's there's other people that you've discovered are part of this equation, yeah. or there's abusive things happening. The, the fear of sex is very legitimate and maybe yeah. will never be on the table right. again. And yeah. so yeah. you just need, and in those situations with the help of friends and a counselor to determine if, if that's a place you're in, this, this whole conversation maybe doesn't apply to you because yeah. right. you yeah. need to determine that's, if this relationship is something that should sure. be yeah. worked on. And, and if you are in particular, the betrayed spouse, the female, who's realizing I've been really put in some very dangerous positions, oh, wow. it's not healthy for you to be asking these yeah. questions right now. So hopefully those that listen are kind of tempering it mm-hmm. through some of that filter. yeah, yeah. Um, and And believing even if you're currently a spouse who is in that really negative place where mm-hmm. this conversation shouldn't be on the table, maybe at some point down the road, even in another marriage, you may be still coming back to some of this trauma right. of, well, mm-hmm. I found out I had a spouse that was doing all these things. The marriage did not last nor should it. And so we divorced, mm-hmm. but you'll remarry yeah. statistically at some point. And it's very likely that maybe even after several years, you'll be back into the trauma of, yeah. I don't know how I feel about sex. I don't know if I should be reengaging, and so these principles can apply in that yeah, season of life sure. as well, even if
2: right now mm-hmm. it's not the right conversation to be having. Yeah. 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 Cause I think, I thank you for saying that Nick. And I think to that point too, I mean, if if you're on that side of things where this is not an appropriate conversation for you right now, and you're not having sex because like you just found out there's discovery disclosure, um, like also practical things like go and get tested for STDs have, you know, ask your addict spouse to also go get tested. Right. I mean, you're not having sex right now before yeah. you re-engage. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Like let's yeah, make sure that everyone is also level safe <laughs> yes, in place yeah. that, that you know, this her. is safe. This is appropriate. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so what we're, what we're talking about is kind of presupposing that we're not in that place that right. we're, that we're at a different place in, in the process. Yeah. yeah. I think a real practical thing too. And what Rebecca was saying about like, have a plan is for, um, for the couple to make, basically both of them have a list of things. That they would that they would like to do with each other, so they each make their own list of hey, this is what we're going to do non sexual things non yes. sexual yeah. things okay. that we're going to do over the next whatever the time period is for the abstinence yeah. period. Here's our list. Combine that list and then put it on a calendar.
3: Right.
2: Right. So maybe it's yeah. I want to go on walks with you a couple yeah. times. Great. Mm-hmm. Then put that on a calendar. Yeah. I want to go you know do like a painting class with you. Right. Great. Yeah. Put it on a calendar. Yeah. Right. I mean, so to take these non sexual yeah. emotional connecting things. Mm-hmm. Both of you have a list of things that you would like to do. Put that list together and put it on a calendar. Otherwise the stuff's not going to happen. Yeah. Right. And you're going to go through three months of no sex and just have, like didn't have any conversations. Yeah. All you did was just not have sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you go on a mission trip and do
0: that. Well, and the whole point of that again is to re-engage emotionally. You're creating yeah. mo- intimacy yeah. in the relationship, mm-hmm. which yeah. eventually will later, you know, obviously pour out into a sexual relationship when you can re-engage but I like that because you're getting to know your spouse on an emotional level as well there and that's what we're that's what we're after ultimately not just a better sex life but a better marriage Mm -hmm. because you're closer
2: and and there's more pointers that we gave on the podcast that we did before yeah go back and listen to it we'll put
0: it (laughs) in the show notes okay (laughs) pornography it's not a comfortable subject but 94% of men and 87% of women have seen pornography at some point in their lives Has porn impacted your life and your relationships? Well, here's the good news. You can begin the journey to freedom today and have peace of mind knowing you're not alone in the fight. That's how Covenant Eyes, this week's sponsor on the podcast, works, through biblical accountability. When you sign up, you choose an ally to receive your device reports and walk with you toward a life free from porn and the life that God desires for you. You can try it free for 30 days by visiting www.covenanteyes.com and you can enter the promo code PUREDESIRE at checkout. All one phrase, no spaces. That's www.covenanteyes.com. Promo code PUREDESIRE at checkout. Freedom begins today. So at what point in the recovery process should couple, and again, I know this is kind of a question yeah. where it's like, well, it depends. But at what point in the recovery process should couples reengage sexually and what should that process look like? And maybe, you know, for you guys with, um, with your clients, like, what are you looking for before mm-hmm. you maybe encourage, okay, we think mm-hmm. you guys are ready to re-engage?
3: Yeah. I think one of the, the biggest things is when they are both ready, when they feel like they are ready. Yeah. Um, granted, maybe this is coming as a result of afterward, the, the abstinence period. And there are couples that they go through this period and, you know, the, the date comes comes around and they are actually not ready. And whether it's because they don't feel like they're there yet emotionally yeah. or because they are such a good place that they realize, you know what? It's, it's great, but we don't have to make this huge yeah. uh, event with blowing whistles and like or for the night <laughs> off, right? All yeah. the day off. It's Candles like, Candles okay. lit,
0: streamers in the room. Yeah. Yeah, Just, yeah right. And
3: so, but then again, that's, that, that should be a result of yeah that emotional work where they're able to communicate and be honest with yeah. I'm not ready or I'm ready and this is why and yeah. go along with that.
0: Yeah,
2: sure cuz I mean there's a lot of addicts where as soon as they start the abstinence period yeah. they've got like a like a countdown timer going, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, like a like popcorn chain. chain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah.
3: same for the spouse. Yeah. <laughs> like count down, like in the opposite yeah, totally. Don't like, do like, anxiety. Fear. Yeah. Don't do that because your spouse may add links yes. to that and, over yeah. time. Yeah,
2: they yeah, might they careful. might be they might be <laughs> yeah. real links in a real be chain. Careful. Yeah. Yeah. And and like that happens oftentimes at the front end of the abstinence period yeah. where mm-hmm. that's all they're thinking about. Yeah. Sure. And so then there's this pressure leading up to, like, to, to perform to whatever, like on this day at this time, yeah. I think we had a client one time who even like, like at midnight woke his wife up and was like, okay, Gate yeah. And time. we're like, no, right. don't yeah. do that. Right. Yeah. And so there's times where re- we'll regularly, I'll recommend to the, to the addict, like, listen, the best maybe thing that you can do is the day that your abstinence period is done, like set up a date. So you guys go out and you tell your wife. We are not going to have sex tonight. Like, mm-hmm. I want you to know this is so important to me that we are emotionally connected. Yeah. That sex tonight is not even an option for me. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I want this. I want you to know that I'm not just jumping in bed with you yeah. the first chance I get, mm-hmm. though I miss you and I want you and I, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, don't you think that's kind of a signature of the healing process that for the addict, sex has become an idol, mm-hmm. um, acting out uh, that yeah. physical rush has yeah. become a God that, in a right. sense, is central to their life and they have to have it. And healing for that struggler looks like it's not as important anymore. They've had appropriate things occupy their Mm -hmm. thoughts and attention and the center of their life. And sex, if they're married has become an appropriate Mm -hmm. part of that relationship. And I think if that's true for the addict, then that's also true for the marriage Mm -hmm. that if, Mm -hmm. if sex has been like what the marriage is about and all the focus and energy is on, are we having it or are we not health is actually, it's just becoming an aspect yeah. of a much healthier relationship mm-hmm. that's in the middle and mm-hmm. i think when you feel that happening again the timeline for some couples depending on what's happened might be relatively short for other couples that might take a while yep. yeah
2: but mm-hmm. i think
1: when you see that of like yeah we can reengage sexually not because it's the biggest thing in our life but because we both feel safe we feel like we'd enjoy it and we feel mm-hmm. like it would really fit within the connection we have with each other
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and um you'd mentioned earlier about just like the trauma mm-hmm. of a spouse Right, I mean at the end of this if if the addict is saying, "All right, the time's up, like let's go." Like that also might bring up some of the betrayal trauma that yep. the spouse was already dealing yeah, with, I right? I mean ready, that's I have yep.
1: to perform, yeah. I have to make them feel something. Yeah,
2: as as opposed to like, "Hey, listen, mm-hmm. I know our time's up, but like yeah. let's say not, let's just sit down and reevaluate." Yeah. Like, have we met our goals?
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um and if not, then what do we need to, need to do to move forward and meet those yeah. goals? But what we don't want to do is re-traumatize a spouse. Because like, you know, you're coming in all ready to go.
0: Yeah. yeah. What, Um. just kind of a like offshoot kind of question. What if the betrayed spouse before that time period comes to a close? Mm-hmm. If they communicated, I think I'm ready. Like should couples then, would you encourage them? Okay. Engage at that point. I'm washing your face and I'm like, I don't really know what you're trying to get at. So. I,
2: no, I know. What you're I would say, oh, you don't know what my face means. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> my face is like, nah. Uh, I mean, I'd say no. Okay. Like even if a spouse comes yep. and says, you know what? I'm, I think I'm ready. That might be out of her own trauma, mm-hmm. out of her own insecurity. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. F- she's maybe feeling insecure and, and feels like she yeah. needs to pull him close okay. mm-hmm. or pull the, you know, him yeah. or her whatever, pull the addict close. Yeah. Um, and for yeah. the addict, it's really important. Like they, mm-hmm. they agreed, right. We're doing X amount of days of abstinence. Yeah. And follow
0: through is huge in recovery. And it's huge. That's, yeah. Like, yeah. Sure like, okay. is. And she
2: might' like she might be upset. She might feel rejected. She might have to process through all of that. yeah, but in the end, I'll let you talk.
3: yeah. Her. And if anything, that is just a great um, uh, message or a great uh, indicative that there may be some more betrayal trauma that needs to be worked yeah. through. Um, yeah, because during this abstinence period, it's important that the spouse is focusing on her, on its own. Betrayal trauma Uh processing and healing and growth. Right. Um,
0: Yeah. So it's not, so what I'm hearing you say is that it's not, this abstinence period is not just for mm -hmm. the addict, for the one who's struggling. This is for both. This Mm -hmm. is to create that space for healing for both. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I mean, I've, 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 we've had clients where, where they've tried to do an abstinence period and the husband was pushing, 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 and then the spouse gave in. All right, and so in this pro, and I mean, they had this failed process multiple times, and they in, like that ended up revealing for the spouse that oh my gosh, I think that I have maybe some issues with this, where mm-hmm. where I'm also like it's not just my husband, but we have this system mm-hmm. that isn't allowing for health to exist in our sex life, and like that was a tough reality to come to for her, but I think the the acknowledging that is for both of them. Yeah. And, and it's not just, we can stop now because my wife feels better. No. Cause that's, that's the old way of doing things. Let me put out a fire, like the addict, let me yeah. put out a fire. And when things seem okay, then we can just go back to where, to how yeah. it was. And this is like a full stop reset. But yeah.
1: mm-hmm. Well, I think it's helpful to realize the addict or struggler may not be trying to create an unhealthy system. Yeah. They may mm-hmm. not be trying to manipulate right. that. No. I mean, some do, there's well, not bad a not consciously. No. Right. But because yeah. they're unhealthy mm-hmm. personally, it will inadvertently even create unhealth in the system, yeah. and unless you're willing to address that, yeah. it it'll just stay there mm-hmm. and, and wait to be dealt with. So um help the the listener out who's maybe hearing all this and just feeling like, uh, this, this is you're making it too big of a deal. If you want to mm-hmm. have sex, have sex, if you don't, don't have sex. like and they're just mm-hmm. like, whatever. So talk through what might be some of the negative impact for a couple who re-engages sexually for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. in recovery, either. To try to help fix their partner or to try to create force uh, create connection. What what could be some of the yeah. longer term negative impacts of that?
3: Yeah. To your point, uh Robert, uh in terms of the betrayal trauma. Who's Robert. Robert. <laughs> Robert. I have a hard time saying his nickname in English. So <laughs> uh, okay. not because she doesn't not, not because <laughs> she can't this. say my name, but it's yeah, just
0: because it's Bob. Uh, you want to use Spanish yeah. words. Go Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We're all about it. we're yeah. all about yeah. expanding our language here.
3: One of the negative impacts would be, uh, then again, like an added betrayal trauma, more trauma added to the betrayed Mm -hmm. spouse. Um, If anything, like look at it that way for the betrayed spouse to to remind yourself, oh my goodness, this is a good way for me to find healing and growth and like to be on the other side, because otherwise you're doing a detriment to your own. Uh, process if, if you don't. And well, then, what I'm
0: hearing mm-hmm. is like, there's a level of like, you're taking the pressure off of the betrayed spouse. The mm-hmm. pressure isn't there to yes. have to meet an expectation yes. or a need that the spouse has. Mm-hmm. And it honestly, I can just, I'm, feel like I'm envisioning a betrayed spouse who for the first time can just breathe mm-hmm. and put their shoulders down and relax. Like I don't have this thing, this mm-hmm. cloud maybe that's over everything when there's that period of accidents yeah. or something. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And, and uh, what you said earlier, Nick, about the airplane thing, it would be like forcing someone to get on an airplane before they're ready. It's like, right. well, I'm sorry it's but more traumatic. I'm, I'm sorry but but I need, you have no choice. I need or, to fly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right? So
2: sorry, you need to, you need to fly with me. Right? right? Yeah. And it's and 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 forcing them into that, it, one, it's not going to be enjoyable, Mm-mm. right? Like use the airplane analogy, you're not going to enjoy the idea that you're about to go to Italy for the weekend. No, you're just going to be freaked out the whole time like yeah. it's, mm-hmm. so it's it's going to rob any of the of that joy and of the connection like they're not going to be present emotionally mm-hmm. not going to be present mentally i mean all of the all of the negative impact that we talk about in um, in like the impact letter and the disclosure process mm-hmm. like all of that impact is just going to be continued to yeah. to resurface and re-traumatized um,
0: and there's that fear too with the betrayed spouse that if I'm being asked to re-engage here and I don't, the fear of then what is my spouse gonna do? Uh-huh. Are they gonna mm-hmm. go do it with someone else? Or yeah. Are they gonna go back to pornography? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like then there's that fear. But that's their
1: responsibility, yeah. not yeah. yours. Totally. Yep. They're responsible totally. for their choices. Yes. Yeah, I think about in how many relationships the the struggles with pornography or engagement with other people has really communicated to that betrayed spouse the sense of I don't matter or my who I am doesn't matter. They just use my body. And so if if you're in recovery and that spouse is no longer acting out or looking at porn, hey, that's great. But if sex still makes the spouse feel like I'm just an object here for them to use, you haven't really improved anything. You've Mm -hmm. stopped behavior, Mm -hmm. but you haven't changed the way you do life. And so I think that's the negative impact is we can get too focused on, hey, and and I've remembered some of this in my own story of feeling like, babe, I'm doing great. I haven't looked at porn in X number of days. And shouldn't Mm -hmm. you be so proud of me? And they're like, Well, not really, because I didn't know you were looking at porn before. So that was not something I saw anyway. And it wasn't so much what you did, it's what it made me feel. And Mm -hmm. if you still make me feel the same way when you ask for sex, we're we're not really getting much better. So I I think it's looking into that of how will that sexual connection make each other feel, not just physically, but in kind of that emotional, I'm valued, I'm seen, I'm Mm -hmm. respected, I'm wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, And if, if that's the heart behind it, I think they're, you're in a better place. But if, if that's not the heart behind it, then then engaging um, in sex too early will really, I think, just perpetuate. Like you're saying, it's layering trauma yeah. on trauma.
3: yeah, And distrust and mm. broken promises, right? Totally. I mean, there's so many layers to, yeah. Yeah. to that. And yeah. even the shame that comes with it after, right? Like you think you're at a better place or you're giving in. Yeah. And, or acting out of fear. And then afterwards you just, you have to face this shame that comes right at, right back at you and. Cause you weren't ready. Cause yeah. you weren't ready, yeah. yeah.
0: And that's so funny too. I just, as you're saying that I'm thinking, sex with your spouse is not wrong, Mm-mm. but you could do it at the wrong time mm-hmm. that becomes wrong for your relationship, you yeah. know? Cause it's, it's not, cause what you're saying of like broken trust or things like that, that's just a small thing. Mm-hmm. Like me engaging, if we've agreed on a period of abstinence, and then I re-engage too soon, that's a small like break of trust that has really far-reaching implications for yeah. marriage. Yeah. So it's just like, see small things that you're doing that make a big mm-hmm. impact. Yeah. But even the good things or okay things in your marriage aren't always okay.
2: Yeah, Interesting. sure. Interesting. Yeah. And there's also um, a word that you like, Nick, allostasis. Uh, there's that... <laughs> <laughs> Our friend Rodney loves that word.
1: Allos- yeah, Allostasis. 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 <laughs> An hour practicing it before he taught yeah. a session it's, using it. Yeah. We love you, Rodney.
0: Please hear we love you. Yeah, of yeah, course we, we love do you. love
2: you. Uh, but yeah, I mean the allostasis part, basically of the brain resetting for the addict. Yes, right. So I mean, there's like these all these neurochemical levels that have been going haywire for so long, and part of what's great about the abstinence period is that there gets to be a pause on that, and there's time for the brain to reset. Mm-hmm. And which means at the beginning of it, you're going to be feeling withdrawals like of an abstinence period, right? Like you're, and all the, so not just the fear that might be engaged yeah. uh, or part of it, but then also, you know, um, your brain cycles, dopamine cycles, not being at, at what would be a more typical right. um, pattern. And so to re-engage too soon, you know, you're also not
0: giving your brain that time to reset, to, to find a new normal. Uh, an illustration. Um, and I, I'm just, I'm going to say this, Nick, you uh, and people who went to the summit know you're in a boot for a while. You're a runner and you got hurt. And for you, you got hurt and something needed to change. You needed time for your body to heal before you were able to re-engage. Because if you re-engage too soon, you're going to do damage that yeah. ultimately can never be undone. Yeah. So you have to leave. Like, I just think of, I was living with my in-laws and I remember my father-in-law got his shoulder had surgery on his shoulder and he had to have a recovery period Mm -hmm. where he was able to give it time to heal and then start doing physical therapy Mm -hmm. and develop that muscle again so that he could actually use it because if he re-engaged too soon sorry bro the shoulder's gone yeah (laughs) we're cutting the shoulder off it's out of here you know and so i think that if you put it in that perspective that's maybe a little easier to sure I don't know. So, like, that seems easier to swallow—that reality we mm-hmm. put it in a different context. But that same principle is being applied to this that scenario and yeah. this situation in a marriage.
2: Yeah, I mean, it feels punitive for right. you know for a lot of, and, and also to say there's some spouses that like not having sex, even though they have fears mixed in with it, like it also feels punitive to them. Right? Mm-hmm. There's some spouses where it's like, I enjoy sex, I don't right. want to stop. Yeah. Like, so why do I have to stop? Because. And so, I mean, there's all this stuff mixed in with it, um, but but to say that no, giving yourself um, the time that you need, yeah. Um, and some people feel well, we want we want to start a family. You know, maybe you're a young couple and you want to start a family, and like I just have to ignore these fears so we can get pregnant. Kids oh man, don't what make a anything no, easier? No, I, like
0: they're the amazing, but they yeah. don't make things easier. No, mm-hmm. no, no, you yeah. know. Okay. All right. Let's get to the last one. I mean, this is obviously open-ended, but just what are some final encouragements that you guys might have for couples experiencing fear of sex during the recovery and healing process?
2: Your fears are valid. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Like they're not wrong. You're not weak for having fears. Uh, You know, you don't, we don't want to just brush these aside or ignore them. Um, They're there for a reason. And like all of our trauma, we have these trauma responses, and that's what fear is, right? Fear is a result of pain. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you're the addict or the spouse. If you have fear, it's the result of pain. Don't ignore it. Don't try and brush it aside. Like, figure out why it's there. Um, and it doesn't mean that the fear will just totally dissipate,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, but you'll be able to navigate through it, right? Like, like you'll be able to approach sex. Um, and one thing that, that I realized we didn't talk about is some people have fear of sex because it's painful. And it's like that's a real thing. Yep. Right. No. And totally. so uh like there's there's and you some, don't just get over it. It's no it's an emotional No, block. no. Sometimes yeah. it could sometimes be emotional. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. It's sometimes it's emotionally connected. Mm-hmm. And identify the fears and see what's there. Sometimes yeah. it's physical. Go see your doctor. Uh and and so just to say that, like for some of you, this isn't yeah. just a well, I just need to know. Um there may be some actual um uh, physiological things going on. Yeah. Yeah. And there are um,
1: physical things that can be done to help. I think some yeah. spouses need to hear that I've I've heard Heather yes, and Ashley right. talk about it after the women's Q&A sessions that wives are like, wait, what? Like, I can get help for that? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I just thought it was going to be painful. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. no, it, you could
2: actually get help. It could
1: yeah.
3: get
2: better. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah so the fear is there for a reason. It's connected to some pain. Find out why it's there.
3: Yeah. And I guess on, on my side of things would be, and you, you mentioned this, Trevor, a little bit ago, don't compare yourself with other people, especially in this process of this recovery, and, and you're in group. Everybody is externally in different uh scenarios mm-hmm. and yet your process is your own. And this mm-hmm. is a great opportunity then for you and your spouse to continue uh engaging as a team yeah. and partnering together for the rest of your life. And and that is that only can happen if if you both are Intentionally focused on what works for you, what's healthy for you, and so just to have that that reminder of, um, especially with sex, right? Like it could, it's going to look different than everybody else, mm-hmm. and that is okay. That is how it should be. It's yep. what's healthy for you and your spouse. Mm-hmm.
1: What I thought of in terms of final encouragement was: this is where you need to remember the beauty of your vows, and that's mm-hmm. assuming again that both. Sides of the equation are wanting to make it work, right. want to honor their marriage vows. And if that's where you are, you have this beauty of you both said, Till death do us part, which means if, if you re engage too early and it doesn't go well, have grace for one mm-hmm. another and realize we're going to be here tomorrow and we're going to be married the next day and the next day. And we have time on our side. Now, I know it's, we don't have eternal time on our side, but like if we're not in this rush to fix it or do it perfectly the first time and we can just give each other and ourselves mm-hmm. grace. That if, if one of us isn't ready and the other is like, well, we got time, let's just keep working it through Mm, and realize that's the beauty of your vows that Mm -hmm. I've said, I'm going to be here and we're looking to make this work. And you know, if that's where you're at in your marriage, celebrate that side of it, that, that the vows hold you in this place to say, we've got time enough to work it out. And, um, yeah, just lean into that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just sex is not your whole marriage. It's an mm-hmm. aspect of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's an important aspect, but it's not everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't marry, you know, you didn't marry the per- having sex with your person. You married your person. <laughs> like yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that's a terrible way to say it. But that that's the reality. Yeah. I chose this person to marry this person. That's who I want to do life with mm-hmm. emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of it. And so, just know that this is an aspect. Not that it's not important, but it's just an aspect of it. Yeah. Um. Man, just this conversation, I'm so glad that we had this conversation mm-hmm. and I'm so glad you guys came in and you were a part of this one. I, what I'm just summarizing, it is normal to have fear mm-hmm. around this in recovery and healing. It's very important. Essential is a better word yes. to have support, whether it's mm-hmm. a therapist, whether it's counselors, whether it's a group. And that fear, I love what you said. Fear isn't a hurdle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that we do need to work through. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't avoid it. We do need to press into that and to use the word, uh, Rebecca, that you used, curiosity. That's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. And
1: um, if you're stuck in your fear, get help. Mm-hmm. Totally, It's okay to acknowledge I'm Absolutely. stuck in some fear. And that's why help exists. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And, and ultimately that sex can be healthy again. Yeah. You yeah. can't actually admit for you're some, here. maybe it was healthy. Maybe some, it wasn't healthy, mm-hmm. but it can be healthy if yeah. you push into this mm-hmm. and do this process. So Bob, Rebecca, thank you so much for yep. your time. Thanks for having us. Love Great guys. work, guys. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you.
0: And wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help create a roadmap for your healing. If you or somebody you know, is impacted by sexual brokenness or betrayal trauma, go to puredesire.org and let's start the healing journey today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Each week, we put out new content to help you on the road to healing and freedom. And lastly, <laughs> never stop being healthy.